Psalm 4, the Bible says, Hear me when I call, O God, of my righteousness. Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Have mercy upon me and hear my prayer. O ye sons of men, how long will ye turn my glory into shame? How long will ye love vanity and seek after leasing? Selah. But know that the Lord has set apart him that is godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call unto him. Stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. Selah. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. There be many that say who will show us any good. Lord, lift thou up the light of thy countenance upon us. Thou hast put gladness in my heart more than in the time of that their corn and their wine increase. I will both lay me down in peace and sleep, for thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. Believe that? Lord lets us dwell in safety. The Lord will take care of us. The Lord will watch out for us. We've got to trust him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning, thanking him for everything he's done. Kind Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise your holy name for everything that you have done for us. Pray that you will continue to abide with us and help us, Lord, to do as you would have us to do. Lord, there's some that are sick this morning. I pray you'll be with them. There's some that are suffering loss of a family member. I pray that you'll bring them peace and comfort. Be with them and lift them up and strengthen them. Lord, be with the man of God that's with us this morning, Lord, and have him say the words that you would have us to hear. It will strengthen our hearts, strengthen our lives. Lord, that we can go forth into your kingdom and increase it. Help us, Lord, to do all of these things, for we ask it in Jesus' holy, precious name. And everyone said, Amen. Thank you. Amen. Let's, let's remain standing this morning. There's no God like Jehovah. There's no God like Jehovah. There's no God like Jehovah. There's no God. There's no God. There's no God like Jehovah. There's no God like Jehovah. There's no God like Jehovah. There's no God like Jehovah.
God like the Lord today. So we declare today, there's no God like Jehovah. 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 Oh, there's no God like Jehovah. 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 Oh, behold, He comes. He's riding on the cloud. He's shining like the sun. Well, at the trumpet call. Oh, 
Or if you're not in the hospital right now, or if you're not in some kind of way, in some kind of debilitated state that you can't function properly today, then you're at the right place because you should be giving God praise for that. Amen. It's the truth. Because the reality of this is real simple. Next week it might be you that needs a chain broke or a way made or a comforting heart to be comforted or a broken heart to be comforted. But today, you're in church. Now, I'm kind of like David said. I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Because I might not be having the best day, Miss Buell. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying some people, they may not be having the best day. But Sister and I, when I get to church, it makes it all better. Because Sister Barnes, when I get with the people of God, everything changes. So you can sit at home. Those that are at home, that's fine. But you can sit at home all you want to, but you can't feel the same. Not God, it's not that God can't come to the room, but there's something when you hear live, the saints of God singing together, praying together, worshiping together. Something changes in the atmosphere in that moment. See, that's why I like going to church live. I can watch it on TV, and it's all right, but it ain't the same when I come into the house of the Lord. I know certain songs are... Not my favorite, certain songs, probably not your favorite, certain songs we don't like. But you know what? If it mentions the name of Jesus and it gets people to a relationship with Jesus Christ and if somebody gets saved, somebody gets sanctified, somebody gets Holy Ghost baptized, I don't care if they're singing Jesus loves me 14 times. If it saves somebody, then I'll keep singing Jesus loves me until the cows come home for that person to know Jesus. Because at the end of the day, what this world needs, they don't need another good sermon. They don't need another good politician. They don't need another good singer. We need Jesus. It's that simple. You can have the greatest of preachers in all the world. This week, I listened to some very fine anointed men of God preaching. I was traveling, and so I was watching them live online. Great men of God. Great speakers. Definitely in the word of the Lord. And while I loved every minute of it, and I am thankful for them, and they encouraged me, I sat there and listened in my car driving. I thought to myself, they're great, but that's not what we need. We got plenty of good speakers. People don't need another good preacher. They need the Lord. Amen. They need to meet the one who we're talking about, not what we said. They need to meet the God of who we're talking about. Amen. So the reality of it is this, this morning. I don't know what you came in here needing today. It doesn't really matter to me because I can't fix it. You could come up front and say, Pastor, I got A, B, C, and D going on, and I can't do nothing about it. But I know somebody who can. Amen. I know somebody who can. Because if you've got pain, he's a pain taker. Or if you feel lost, he's a way maker. Or if you need freedom or saving, He's a prison shaking Savior. If you got chains, He's a chain breaker. Just in that one course alone, it lets you know whatever you have need of, you are at the right place because God can do it. God can do it. There's about three people that believe that, so I guess I'll just have to work with those three today. I believe God can do it. Amen. I believe that. Heavenly Father. We welcome you into this place today. God, I'm asking you in the solemnness and secrecy of this moment 
do what only you can do. Speak to hearts and lives and help us to hear from the Lord, not from a preacher, not from a singer, but from God. Because all of this is futile and pointless if not orchestrated in the direction and leading of the Holy Spirit of God. That's it. It's that simple. So God, I'm asking you to open eyes, hearts, and ears to hear the word of the Lord. Speak to us in the secrecy and the solemnness of this moment. God, there are people whose hearts are heavy. Who need Jesus today? They came to the right place. They came to the right place. Before we break the bread of life this morning, as one has already come, is there anybody else? Put your head bowed and your eyes closed. Say, preacher, I need, I, need, I need to pray today. I need to hear from God. I need a word from the Lord. I need to be spoken to the Lord. If it's you, just if you'd like, just come up front. We'll pray with you. They'll sing. They'll find something to sing. Don't miss your day of visitation with the Lord. Don't miss your moment with the Lord. If you've got pain, seated briefly in the presence of the Lord. If you have your Bibles, I want you one more time to go to the book of Ecclesiastes, excuse me, of Ezekiel chapter 43. Ezekiel chapter 43. I want to make a couple announcements to you real quick. Parents, please don't forget to go get your kids. Mm -hmm. I have to leave pretty quickly as soon as church is over. So as much as I would love to hang out with your children, they're going to be left unattended alone today here at church. So, please make sure that your uh, little Johnny or little Susie goes home with you today. Uh, and uh, don't forget, those watching online, you can always download the Our Church app, Santee Circle COG. You can always check us out online, SanteeCircleCOG.org. You can subscribe to our podcast, listen to our services. Today only, you can still give in four ways, in person, 
envelope, tithe.ly app, and online. Starting next Sunday morning, these boxes will be moved. They're not here anymore. There'll still be one at the very back door because just somebody gets in late and it's already happened. But these two nice golden arches of boxes up here will not be here. Instead, you will find two individuals next Sunday morning that will be standing before you. We are going to bring our tithes into the storehouse of the Lord. We're going to have you the opportunity for you to bring your tithes and offerings to the Lord. And you say, well, that's kind of embarrassing. I don't want somebody to see me give. Well, then you better give it in that box back there because there's going to be a time in service where we give you an opportunity to give. I instructed the ushers uh, when I met with them uh, over the last couple of weeks. I only have one rule. I feel like I'm a pretty generous and fair man. I don't feel like I am unreasonable. Now, Brianna might sometimes think differently. But for the rest of y'all, I feel like I'm pretty reasonable. So here's what I've come up with. I think you'll like this idea, and I think I've thought very a lot about this, and we can come to agreement. Here's what I've come up with. It is absolutely free for you to come to church and hear us sing, hear the word of the Lord, but you have to pay to leave. Isn't that a great way to do this? Doesn't that sound wonderful? You can come in for free. We charge you to leave. So see, it's better. If you want to go to Cracker Barrel, just put a couple of dollars in the offering plate and we'll let you out. We'll let the bouncer at the front door open the door and let you out. Until you put a couple of dollars in, you can eat with us and stay here with us and eat goldfish. That's what you get. No, I'm just kidding. We won't hold you at ransom except for a couple hours. Um, no, uh, we won't do that. But there will be an offering, strategic time of tithes and offerings given. But for today, still given the wooden boxes couple of announcements before I get to everything. If you want to be a part of Senior Adult Retreat, the Palmetto State Gathering is going to be in May. Please sign up in the back. Uh, it's uh, $35 registration. Church will cover that. We just need to know how many is interested in going. It's the March, I mean not March, uh, May. Don't hold me to it. I think it's like the 27th, 28th, somewhere in that window. It's the last weekend in May. You can look at it on the bulletin board or in the Welcome Center on the table out there. If you want to stay in rooms together, that will cut down your hotel costs. That's what we're trying to accomplish. You just have to cover your hotel costs and whatever food you like to eat. We'll pay for you to go. Uh, Dr. Tim Hill will be there speaking and singing on Friday night. And uh, the uh, Triumphant Quartet, Southern Gospel Group, will be singing on Saturday morning. Uh, We'll be home shortly after lunch, uh, so you won't be tied up uh, all day. But it will be a lot of fun. Uh, And uh, we got a couple other for all. I call it the Pillars Ministry. That's our senior adult ministry. Because they're the backbone of our church. we got a couple other activities we're looking at doing with you throughout the year. Taking you to do some outings. No, I'm not renting a tour bus and taking you to Pennsylvania this year. But we're going to go on a couple trips and some shorter trips. Just to get out of the house. Just do some things. Some day trips. Things like that. Just a fellowship. There's just for us to go. We might just go eat dinner or eat lunch. Uh, We may go to, you know, do some kind of fun activity in Charleston or somewhere. But... Uh, We're just going to have a good time. We'll have drivers, so you can just ride with us and enjoy that as well. Also, if you're still wanting to give to the youth camp, we're going to collect today and next Sunday. Next Sunday will be the deadline that I'm going to extend it just to because we don't have church tonight due to uh, Jordy's uh, father's homegoing service. So we'll extend it till next week. But if you want to give that, please, on your tithing envelope, just put youth camp. We'll know what that means and and, uh, whatever you're giving. Also, we still need... uh, uh, people to be mindful that uh, uh, for the Jordy's home going, uh, Jordy's father's home going service. If you're wanting to help impact that, we've already fed the family and done what we should, you know, we're doing from our church. But if you'd like to offset and help us with that, 
uh, since we didn't ask a bunch of people to cook. Uh, if you'd like to give towards that, same thing. Just put in tithing envelope. Just put uh, Jordy or just put uh, a funeral. Uh, it's something to let us know that's what it's for, and we'll, we'll offset the cost of that to those that helped pull this together, get all the food, cooked it, sent it. Thank you. Thank you so much. They were immensely grateful for that. That being said, a couple of big things. April 16th is our Easter egg extravaganza. Miss Sandy needs workers. Uh, we need you to sign up uh, for to volunteer. You can be in the. We got kitchen. We got egg hiders. Uh, we've got people just to run registration table. We got people that just need to watch people and make sure some kid doesn't run out in the road. We've got all kinds of jobs uh, for you. We're gonna have food, games, prizes, etc. You don't have to worry about that. But we still need a couple items. We need like some chips. Uh, individual bag chips, the little drinks uh, for adults as well as for the little hug drinks for kids. Um, candy, we need lots and lots of candy. We want them to have cavities. That's our goal. Uh, we want every kid to have to have root canals uh, for cavities. Not really, but we do want them to leave with, with a lot of candy. Uh, so we need that as well. So please start bringing that. You'll see it on Facebook. You'll see it. Your connection leaders will probably send you some messages out soon if you don't want to buy it. Same thing, put in a tithing envelope, say Easter extravaganza or Easter hunt or whatever. We'll know what that's for. But please, if you're willing to help us that Saturday work, please sign up so that Miss Sandy can put her team together and know who's doing what. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I resigned from my post of duty as your pastor this week on April Fool's. I didn't have to resign in front of everybody, only the people that I really thought would take a kick out of this. So I sent a mass text message out to all my leaders and wrote this nice. In fact, you know what? It, I can't even do it justice. Let me just read to you how, how this went. This probably by far was one of the greatest things I've ever pulled off in my life. I am not proud of many things, but this is one of them. This was epic. So, you know me, quarantining brain and all. It was April Fool's Day. I thought, you know, how can I get one on all my people? So here's what I said. It is with a heavy heart that I write you all the day. I have been asked to take another ministry assignment. I'll be sharing more details and making that formal announcement soon. I did not want you all to hear about it through the grapevine before the rest of the church. I want you to know that I love you all so much and it has been my distinct privilege and in Brianna's short time, her distinct privilege, serving as your pastor for two and a half years. I will miss you all greatly and I have thoroughly enjoyed the relationships forged at Santee Circle COG. I thank God has, I think God has great things in store for this church. There are incredible people who work and attend here. The Lord is blessing it tremendously, and I do, do believe he will continue to do so. With that said, I would like to formally announce to you that I am resigning as the senior pastor of the Santee Circle Church of God on April 16th to take on the new ministry assignment of being the Easter Bunny for pictures. It is with great travail and prayers that I have felt like this season God has called me to to impact our children. Therefore, I have accepted the call. However... On April 17th, I will be reinstalled as the senior pastor again of the Santee Circle Church of God since my ministry assignment is only for one day. I hope you all have a blessed day. Happy April 1st. See you all soon. Hope no one had a heart attack. I'm still going to be here for a while. Best thing I've ever done in my life. I'm not going to lie to you. It was great. So when you show up on April 16th, don't ask where the preacher is because he's not here. Um, but I'll be that little guy carrying a basket with ears. That's where I'll be, so uh, I'll be here making sure to take wonderful pictures with all your kids and grandkids and all that stuff. So that being said, please do that. Sunrise service this year, April 17th, 7, 7 a.m., not p.m., 7 a.m. You go to sunrise service, 7 p.m., you're at the wrong place. 
Uh, tail race canal, boating dock, same place we did it last year in the parking lot. The only way you'll miss us is if you drive into the water. You can't. That's the only way you won't see us. Uh, Easter Sunday is obviously April 17th. Uh, we'll have a service there. Um, please let us know. There's sign-up sheets that will be coming out uh, next week. We're going to provide breakfast, but I don't want to buy a bunch of breakfast for people who don't show up, so I need to know who's coming. Now, that being said, uh, we're, we're looking at doing something like Hardee's or some, you know, we'll have some continental items, but ordering like some biscuits and things like that. We're going to do like staples like bacon, egg, and cheese, salsa, egg, and cheese, and plain biscuits. We're not getting fancy with Frisco's and, you know, this, that, and the other. We're kind of keeping it simple. If you don't like those, that's fine. You can just put plain biscuit. If you don't like those, you can have donuts and coffee. You know, but we're going to provide you breakfast should you like to eat with us that Sunday. So next week there will be sign-up sheets for you to tell us your preference so we know how to make that together. So don't forget that uh, April the 17th. Let's continue our series today. All our first-time guests, please make sure you fill out a connection card. You get uh, partnered with some of our hospitality leaders I know we have quite a few guests. Uh, in fact, let me quickly just say one distinct guest that we have in service uh, with us today is uh, back when I served in Orangeburg, South Carolina for eight years uh, as the associate pastor, uh, I came to know a, a family, uh, and their family came to the church, and their extended family came to the church. We have had funerals together. We have done services together. We have cried together. We've laughed together. We have sat in Wednesday night Bible studies together. We have been in, in uh, small groups together. We've done it all together, if you will. Um, but due to uh, just some changes and things with COVID and other things, the Lord has moved uh, this precious family back to this area, or back to, or to back, not back to, but to this area in Charleston, and they've had a lot of heartache too. They have uh, recently had to lay a loved one to rest as well, and have just been kind of, if you will, during this COVID season uh, through the ringer. Uh, but uh, but this morning, Ashley, Harley, uh, and her husband, David, uh, is not with us this morning due to work and their kids, but Ashley uh, uh, was able to make it, and, and uh, so it's nice to see a familiar face in the crowd. So please, before you leave today, please speak to Ashley. Just introduce yourself to her um, as uh, she's kind of new to the area and, uh, and connect with her just so she knows who's who. Uh, precious family, love their family, um, and when you meet David, you want to be friends with him because he looks like Mr. Ray. He's big and intimidating. And uh, him and Mr. Ray are going with me everywhere I preach from now on. I'm going to stand behind them. They're going to walk in front of me. I'm going to be behind them. And Brother Randy's going to be behind me. Because if you come at me in any directions, they'll shoot you. And that's what I like. I feel like that's the best. I want armor bears carrying the peace of God. P-I-E-C-E on their hip. I want it to be peace, be still right there on their hip. Everywhere we go. And so um, Brother David's a, a police officer and uh, as well. So he'll be a... Uh, intimidating guy, but we are so glad to have them today. Let's jump into the word of the Lord because I know what everyone's thinking. I'm hungry. I know me too. So let's get straight into the word of the Lord. Ezekiel chapter 43, verse 12 and 13 again. If you have it, stand for the reading of God's word. I'm going to preach fast if you listen fast so we can eat fast and get on the road. This is the law of the house, declares the Lord. Upon the top of the mountain, the whole limit thereof round about shall be most holy. Behold, this is the law of the house. And these are the measurements of the altar. Remember, I've been talking the last couple weeks. We've got to rebuild the altar. We've got to get the altars back together. The cubit is a cubit and a hand breadth. Even the bottom shall be a cubit, and the breadth of a cubit, and the border thereof, and around the edge about shall be a span. This shall be the higher place of the altar. We've been talking about this idea of the unseen hand. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, pray you bless the reading of your word. 
Let your people be hearers and doers of it. In Jesus' name we pray. And the people of God together said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Quickly for all my first time guests, the cubit is about 18 inches from the tip of your finger to the bottom of your elbow. So this morning we want to talk about that today in Jesus' name. So here's what I want you to understand. This elbow to this, to this hand, that's the cubit. But if, I, you re, if you remember, we read it in your hearing that when you had to build the altar back, it not only was a cubit, but there also had to be what is known as the handbreadth. And I shared with you this uh, uh, slide last week about the handbreadth is the width across from your palm. Basically, we call it a palm today. It was this. So you had the cubit and a handbreadth. So a cubit, if anybody remembers, is how many handbreadths? Anybody? Six. This is the number of man. The Bible says that the number of man is six, 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 the mark of the beast, etc. And I don't have time to preach on the second coming of Christ, but I'm telling you right now that if you don't believe he's coming, you're in trouble. Because I'm telling you right now that he is coming. If you haven't watched the news and you haven't been paying attention, God's coming back again. And whether you like it or not, it's kind of like hide and go seek. Ready or not, here he comes. One day, the trump of God's going to sound. The dead in Christ are going to rise up. We which are alive and remain are going to be called up and together in the clouds of glory to be gathered one with another, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. You don't have to like it. You don't have to believe me. But one day, it's going to be ready or not. Here he comes. There he's going to be right there. We sang about it this morning. But also the Bible says that building this altar and, and rebuilding the altars that have been torn down, talking about the temple of God from Ezekiel chapter 40 and 41 all the way through to where we are today is talking about the return of the temple of God and the rebuilding of the temple of God. And Ezekiel outlined by God's direction what the altar should have been like. So we know that the number of man is six, and so we know that a cubit is six handbreadths. But, but the Bible says that the altar's dimensions had to be a, a cubit, six handbreadths, Plus one more handbreadth. So if I have six handbreadths and I add one more, how many do I have? I have seven. We know seven is the number of divine completion. Six days God created the earth. But on the seventh day he rested and said, it looks good. Everything looks great. We know seven is a number of divine order. I shared with you in the very first part of this message that there's something special about a touch of a hand. You can hold my hand all day long and it's special. But when she holds my hand, it changes the game. You can hold my hand and we can walk down the aisle. We can walk down the Flower Town Festival streets. We can walk to an altar together and, and, and I can feel the joy of the Lord and our fellowship together. But when a little five-year-old grabs my hand with his five fingers and wraps him around my index finger and says, Hey, Daddy, can I walk with you? You can hold my hand all day long, but I'm letting yours go and I'm letting a five-finger five-year-old hold my hand because it changes the dynamic of that moment. You can be holding my hand trying or my arm trying to walk in to a restaurant and I'll help you, but if she walks beside me and grabs my hand, I love you, but I'm going to make sure her hand stays on mine because there's something about the touch of a hand. I shared with you about Naaman. The prophet of God went to, he went to the prophet of God and said, I got leprosy. And he wanted, the Bible said, for the prophet to wave his hand across his leprosy and heal him. Can I caution you one more time? You don't need another preacher to wave his hand on you. You don't need another preacher to put his hand on you. You don't need him to snot in a rag, lay it on your head, throw his rag, throw his Bible, take his coat, throw it on you. You don't need anybody to touch you but God himself. I can take this rag that's in my pocket right here and I can snot and snort and spit and whatever and throw it on your face. All you did was get a rag with a bunch of snot in it. And that's snot what you need. What you need today is to hear from the Lord himself. You can come up here and I can put my hand on your forehead and you feel nothing. But when God himself descends out of the portals of glory and he anoints the vessel that's being used, when that hand touches you. It's not this hand, but the extension of the power of God.
comes into the moment. We've got too many people wanting to get the prophet of God to touch their hand or the prophet of God to wave his hand or to take the coat off and lay it on their shoulders. I'm telling you, this coat does nothing. It goes to the dry cleaners twice a year. It means nothing. But when God clothes you with the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, you can lift up your voice to God because it'll break every yoke and break every bondage and something different will change in the atmosphere. There's something about the touch of God. We talked about the grip of God. We talked about the grip of grace. We talked about Elijah was on Mount Carmel and he had to deal with the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah. So 850 prophets and he called fire down from heaven in the middle of a drought. We talked about the challenges of that. And even after his greatest victory, he met his greatest obstacle. A vile, wicked woman who wanted his life. Wanted to kill him. We also talked about that after that Mount Carmel experience, a prophet of God sends his servant out to the edge of a cliff and says, what do you see? He says, I see a bunch of clouds, but no rain in sight. He prays one time, nothing. Prays two times, nothing. Three, four, five, six times he prays. Sends a servant out, nothing. Prophet of God, one more time, puts his head between his legs and he gets in a fetal position down on the ground and he cries out to the Lord one more time, the seventh time. If you remember when I talked to you about Naaman, the Bible said the prophet of God said, Naaman, you go down to the Jordan River and you go down seven times. If he'd have stopped at six, he'd have missed his miracle. I'm going to come by to remind somebody this morning, and please don't get mad at the preacher because I'm going to preach fast and get out of here fast before you can get mad at me fast. But I want you to understand that most people today miss their miracles because they stop one prayer too short. They stop one altar call too short. They stop one prayer line too short because they think, oh, I've done this long enough. Look, you can be like that man in John 4 that had been waiting 38 years for something to happen. And John 5, I'm sorry, they, they, where he prayed at that pool of Bethesda. But I'm telling you right now, whether you wait 38 years, 38 minutes, or 38 seconds, don't you give up. Be like the, the, the prophet or be like the, the patriarch Jacob. The Bible said he wrestled with the Lord, but the Lord said, I got to go, it's daybreak. And he said, oh, no, no, God, I'll not let you go until you bless me. I don't care how long you've been in travail, how long you've been in prayer, whether it's 38 seconds, 38 minutes, or 38 years. You dare not ever let go of the horns of the altar or ever let go of God until you're done with it. You say, God, I'm not getting up here until I get an answer. God, I'm not leaving this prayer closet until I get a breakthrough. God, I'm not leaving this position until I hear from heaven. I'm not leaving until my son is saved. I'm not leaving until my daughter-in-law is saved. I'm not leaving until that marriage is restored. I'm not not leaving until I get a healing. I'm not leaving. See, there's something to be said about not letting go of the unseen hand of God. He prays on the seventh time, sends his servant to the cliff. The servant comes running back. Master, master, master. He said, what did you see? He said, well, I didn't see much. But this time when I went out there, I saw a cloud. It wasn't a big cloud, but it was the size of a man's hand. Come on, somebody. Act like you've been to church at least once in your life. Can I tell you that when you least expect it, and you may not see a lot, it may not look like God's doing a lot in your situation. It may not look like God's heard your prayer. It may look like all hell's come against you. You've gotten bad news after bad news after bad news after bad news. It may look like you can't find peace if it would have hit you in the face like a brick. It seems like nothing's going right and everything's going wrong. Can I tell you, even when it don't look like much, little is much when God is in it. Can I tell somebody this morning that it may not look like much, 
but the prophet of God said, well, then what did you see? He said, I saw a small cloud, but it was the size of a man's head. Can I tell you, it wasn't just any hand. There was a hand coming out of the portals of glory that said, I'm going to rain down. The prophet of God said, go tell the king to make ready his chariot and make sure he gets, because I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. He outran the chariots by the Spirit of God. Can I tell you, it may not look like much right now, even when it don't look like much, even if it don't look like God's doing anything. I tell you that little as much as God is in it, can I tell you, there's still a hand that will reach down from heaven and he'll pull me out of the miry clay and he'll set my feet on the rock to stay. Can I tell you, there's still a God wanting to do a Joel 2, 28 and 29. He wants to rain down his spirit. So sons and daughters prophesy and old men dream dreams and young men see visions. Can I tell you, there's still that hand that wants to come out and he wants to let the latter rain, the former rain and the latter rain come down. Holy Spirit, rain down. He wants to pour out his spirit on all flesh so that we can feel his presence. But finally, there's something else about a hand. I'm going to stay here just for a few moments. There's power in the hand. There's power in a hand. Because we can talk about the touch of a hand. That's nice and soft. We talk about a grip. There is nothing more depressing than a limp handshake. Feel like you're going to wring their hand off their, off their arm. Nothing is also more painful than when you sprain your wrist, it seems like. Boy, that's a painful. You don't realize how much trying to brush your hair, brush your teeth, write something, how hard and difficult it is to your strong hand. It's hurting. you got to do it with the weak hand. <laughs> Lord, help me today. Let me just go ahead and dig my hole. Let me go ahead and get my excavator out and just go ahead and keep digging where I'm at. See, we try to do everything with our strong hands, but sometimes God has to remove our strong, strong suits our strengths, and make us realize how weak we really are. Because when I sprain my right hand, you better not ask me to write something down. It'll look like some two-year-old trying to draw you a picture. I can't write with my left hand to save my life. I can't. I try to eat with it. and it, I'm, I'm, I'm like an 80-year-old person that's got like Parkinson's disease. I'm shaking, trying to get a spoon in my mouth because I'm afraid I'm going to spill the milk because my hand's not the same. I'm not ambidextrous. Some people are, but I'm not. But the Bible says, but when I am weak, that's when he becomes strong. So sometimes God weakens me so that I can see how much I really am dependent on him. And see, what it means is, is God removes my strength, my power, so that I can see his omnipotent, all-powerful self revealed. Because if I have a sprained wrist and I go to pick up something, boy, it shoots shards of pain all up my body. Things that are simple, a box of tissues, a sock, things that I could do single-handedly at once, but just the movement alone sends excruciating pain up the arm. See, in a hand, there's, there's, there's all these different bones. Let me tell you something. There ain't nothing. I'm not going to say nothing. But there are probably very few things that hurt than them little tiny bones in your hand getting hurt, broke, and crushed. I mean, those little tiny, because you can't put a cast on them. You can't, they just in there. They, they got little fragment pieces falling around in there. I mean, it just hurts. I'm going to tell you right now, the closest thing I ever come to losing my salvation in my life is when I broke my finger. I thought me and God were going to have a talk in a different way. I was at Church of God camp meeting. That's why I still have scars going to camp meeting to this day. I went to church, y'all. Church. 
Some of my buddies came after church that morning or that night and said, hey, tomorrow morning before service starts that night, we're going to go out to the back of the tabernacle down to the lower 40. They got a basketball goal set out there. We're going to play basketball tomorrow. You should come play with us, man. I was fresh out of high school. I was about 19. Uh, I was getting ready. To, actually, I was 18. I was getting ready to go play the piano for Charleston Southern University in, the, in New Vision. I was getting ready. I had a full-ride scholarship. They were paying everything. They were going to pay me $60,000 a year, pay for everything. All they said is you pay for your meals, and we'll pay for you to show up. And I was like, I don't know. My parents said he loves being Baptist, and they've sent me to Charleston Southern. I thought my parents were Pentecostal. Apparently, they're Baptist at heart. They were like, the Baptist folks it is, and sent me off to be indoctrinated. And uh, and so I, I, my dad, as soon as I signed that paperwork, before we even left, for camping, he said, you better not do nothing stupid this year and mess up them hands. I don't care if you break your leg. I don't care if you break your, your cheek. I don't care if you break your hip. You can sit down and play with a broken hip. But if you break those fingers, I'll break you. He said, because that's saving me $60,000. He said, I should put insurance on those things. I'm like, right. So you don't care if nothing else goes wrong just as long as my fingers don't get messed up, Dad. He's like, basically. And so I get there. We're playing basketball. And I go up for a rebound. And that ball catches me right there. Actually, it's on this finger. And I thought. I was going to see Jesus right then. I was, I was going home with Jesus in a twinkling of an eye. I was headed out of here. Boy, I ain't never felt pain like that in my life. I'd done a lot. I had busted eyes open. I'd had concussions from sports. I had, I mean, I got a knot right here where I got hit with a, about an 85-mile-an-hour golf ball off of a metal bat for my cousin who thought it would be cool for us to play golf with a baseball bat. And I pitched it to him at four, and he hit it right through my head, and it went right through it. And, uh, and I rolled back to him. He thought I was dead. I remember because I was unconscious. I don't remember anything until I woke up at the hospital and I saw four people there and there was only one in the room. And uh, and so so I've been through the ringer a little bit. But oh, that finger. Whew, you talk about pain. Brother Primo, I didn't even realize how bad it was. I couldn't bend it. Boy, it looked like like I had arthritis. I couldn't get that thing to bend. I was like, pull. I, I, my mind was like, well, let's just pull it straight out. I was like, oh, no, you better not touch that. So I'm driving home like this, like old raggedy Ann person. Got a finger. People thought I was flipping them off, headed going down the road because I couldn't bend it. I couldn't move it. It hurt. Oh, my gosh. Oh, it hurt so bad. It was horrible. Finally got to the doctor. You know what he said? I got to straighten it out. I was like, oh, Jesus. Do we have, put me down. Just go ahead and give me that. Just get the anesthesiologist in here and just knock me out. He said, oh, it won't be that bad. I was like, says who? It ain't your finger. He said, we got to do this. He grabbed that thing. He said, Whoosh. I was like, oh, Jesus. He said, did it hurt? I was like, I'd be glad I'm paying you. I'll knock you out. He put a little, but he couldn't put a cast on it. He put a popsicle on it, y'all. If I'd have known that, I just went home, saved my, save myself about 150 bucks. I just went home and ate me a popsicle, feel better about it, take the popsicle, rinse it off, and wrap it with duct tape. I'd have had the same thing he did. I paid him $150 for that popsicle. That was the most expensive popsicle that I never got to eat in my life. It was kind of sad. Didn't even give me a sticker for my, my, for my experience. Popsicle, y'all. And then it was real bad because that was just stuck like that all the time. I couldn't bend it down because it was a positive. I'd be driving down the road, and I'm just waving at people, realizing that there's only one finger up in the air. It wasn't a pretty sight, y'all. I had to get through it. Hurt. And I remember after six weeks, they took it off and said, in six weeks you're out. The day before I was supposed to go play for New Vision. Of course, my dad's like, I'm going to kill you if you can't play. They took it off, but because it had set so long, it had gotten stiff. That was about as bad as breaking it. Because the first time I had to bend that sucker down after sitting for six weeks in a vertical position, you thought about pain again? And I had to work through that. See, there are times in our lives we go through painful situations. 
We go through situations that we didn't ask for, we didn't want, we didn't ask for it to happen, but it happens. But God uses that sometimes because he's got to get us to a different place. He's got to let us have a time of healing. He's got to let us have a time of respite. Sometimes God will use these difficult seasons of pain. We sung about it this morning, him being a pain taker. But God sometimes will use that because he's got a greater end in sight. And the reason I know that is because I was limited on what I could do with that hand when I broke it. It was limited. I didn't realize how important my hands were until I couldn't use them. You go home today and tie your hand behind your back and just use one hand and see how easy it is. You'll realize you miss both hands and you don't have one of them. Like getting dressed. You'd think that'd be simple. It's hard to get dressed with one hand. You ever try to put pants on one hand? You fall on your face more times than you've got one leg on and you try to grab the other side. And you this side gets tangled up and you're like trying to put the pants on because you only got one. I can't grab it with this hand. It's horrible. Try to brush your hair and get it right here. But then you're trying to get over here and you're like some of y'all ladies trying to curl with one hair. Y'all see how that works? Y'all know how that works. Like trying to can't even grab the other piece. You're like, honey, can you hold this strand? Then he messes up your hair, and then you don't like the way it looks because he didn't hold the right piece that you curled. You know, I mean, things like that. You don't realize what you miss. But sometimes pain and sometimes heartache, sometimes God uses that to actually, in some respects, bring about healing to our troubled soul. Here's how I know that. John 11, we find this story. Jesus gets, he's out about two days' journey away. He gets this message that one of his closest friends, Lazarus, is sick unto death. They send, Lazarus is still alive when Jesus gets the word. The Bible says that they said, you got to come, you got to come, you got to come, he's going to die. You've healed all these other people, you've opened up blinded eyes, you've fed 5,000, 4,000, you've, uh, you've raised the widow of Nain's son. If you can do all that, Jesus, you can come and fix my problem too. Anybody ever felt, I don't want you to answer this with your hand, but, but just internally answers. If you ever felt like somebody else always gets an answer but you and you need a problem it's like, like yours never gets answered as quickly as somebody else's did. <laughs> Maybe that's just me today. But they asked him to come. And the Bible says Jesus does something that seems out of character for him. He doesn't go immediately. His best friend. The Bible said that every time Jesus was even near the city of Bethany he always would stop by Martha and Mary and Lazarus house to see him. He was like good friends. You know, some people, us, we have, like, best friends. Like, like, like I'll tell you, for example, like Brother Dennis and Sister Dale and Miss Tina that are sitting on the back row together. I remember when we were at Ridgeville, my dad was pastoring Ridgeville. Man, it was nothing for them to all just strike up and go camping together. Boom, everybody didn't go, and they're going camping. They, they were together. They, they, they just did stuff together. In fact, Brother Dennis right now is helping Brother Henry uh, with some projects and things like that. I mean, they're inseparable. They do their things together. They're, they're close. I guarantee you that if either one of them, something tragic happened either side of the family, when the phone rang, they wouldn't sit their way around. They'd go immediately to that person. Jesus didn't. He stayed still. He stayed put. He said, well, the sickness is not unto death. And they're like, what is that supposed to mean? And, and Jesus is like, oh, you know. And he stayed, the Bible said, two additional days before he left. By the time he left, he gets to Martha and Mary's house. And the reason we think it's about a two-day journey is because of Martha's response. He'd been dead four days. He waited two days, and by the time he got to us, it would have been an additional two days, so there's four days. She said, you're too late. You know the story. I don't have to tell you this whole You're too late. We called for you, Jesus. We asked you to come when there was still a chance. We still had a chance. And you said no. Could you imagine the feeling that has to be when you've prayed to the Lord about a request and it feels like he didn't even acknowledge it? 
Think about that for a moment. Like he acted like he didn't even care. She said, I know you could have healed him, but you waited too long. You know, before we judge Martha's response to Jesus, try to put yourself in your shoes. You've prayed to Jesus, you've prayed to Jesus, and you feel like Jesus let you down. How you would have felt in that moment. We know what we feels like, and we know what it feels like when our own friends and family let us down, much less Jesus letting us down. Jesus said, Martha, do you believe he can be resurrected? Martha said, Yes, Jesus, but that's that's a long time away. That's when you know you restore your kingdom in order I won't ever get to see him again. It's a long time. He said, Just believe. And she's just like, Whatever. She leaves. They say, oh, Mary, Mary, Jesus, look at me. So Mary goes out there and she does her little Jesus, you know, love you, and all that kind of stuff. They get to the tomb. He says, show me where it's at. Show me where he's at. They take him to the funeral home, not the funeral home, they take him to the graveside. He's already been embalmed. They've already had the home-going service. They've already fed the family fried chicken. <laughs> They've already got the flowers loaded up in the van and sent it back to the house. The brownies are stale now. They've done it all. Family has left. They went home. People had to move on back to their lives. Jesus said, show me the graves. The dirt was still fresh, but the marker was already in the ground. Too late, Jesus. He's in the dirt. He's not even in the funeral home in his suit. He's in the dirt, Jesus. Because in that day, the way you knew it is because the stone would be rolled over. You couldn't get back in. It was done. Finished. Final. He stands before a tomb, but only as Jesus can do. The most powerful scripture you ever read in the Bible is also the shortest scripture you ever read in the Bible. Jesus wept, John 11, 34, 35. He wept. That's it. The most powerful verse in the Bible, and yet the shortest in the Bible. Because in that moment, what it shows us is that Jesus feels what we feel. He feels hurt. He feels heartache. He feels pain. He missed him. His humanity said, I loved him. But in that same moment, as every tear streamed down his face in that moment, his divinity rose up and said, but he's not going to stay here very long. <laughs> can I tell you, I don't know what you're going through this morning, but I can tell you right now, the, the humanity side of Jesus feels what you're feeling and what you're going through, but the deity side of him says, but I got all power in my hand to get you out of that you won't stay in that situation very long the Bible said he who begins a good work is faithful to complete it to the very end he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother he might feel the Bible said he was tempted in all manners that I was and feel every infirmity that I felt but there's a difference not only did he feel it but the Bible said that he was wounded for my transgressions that he was bruised for my iniquities but the chastisement of peace lays upon him and his stripes are my healing or according to declare my healing he might feel my sicknesses but he's also the healer he might know that I'm sad but he's also the mender of broken hearts he might know that I'm frustrated but he gives God but God gives perfect peace to those whose minds stay on him he might know what I'm going through but he knows how to get me out of what I'm in he said move the stone they said you don't understand that is a bad idea he's been dead for four days by now he's probably beginning to turn smell he said I said move the stone now, I don't have time to preach this because I'm going to use some of this stuff for Easter Sunday, a parallel of Lazarus and Jesus. But some of us have been in the tombs of our lives so long we wouldn't even recognize if someone called us out of the tomb. And some of us have gotten comfortable living in the darkness and in the shadows of the darkness that we don't want to hear the light come in 
to the room. And the reality of it is the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ is to call us out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's the whole Easter story that he called us out of darkness. You see, when I roll a tomb, a stone over a tomb, you know what it is? It's darkness. But the Bible said he decreed and declared, Lazarus, come forth. He had to call him specifically by name because if he had just said, come forth, everything that had ever been dead would have got up out of the ground. He had to make sure because when he speaks, everything listens. Waves listen. Winds listen. Seas stop roaring. Can I tell you today on Easter Sunday, if you should be here that morning, I'm going to go ahead and give you the spoiler alert now that he also was placed in the heart of the earth behind a tomb he also had a stone rolled across it he also was in the darkness but on that third resurrection morning there was a beam of light that came down into the middle of darkness and the rule of the breath of God walked into that tomb and said this is this is the situation you're in but uh, the humanity side of Jesus had to die but the deity side of him had said I'm not staying here very long can I tell you the humanity side of Jesus knows what you're going through but the deity of him the omnipotent all powerful God is not going to leave you where you are he's not going to abandon you he's going to call you out of that tomb and bring you out into the light again and he calls Lazarus and he comes forth see delay does not mean denial we equate if he didn't come when I want him to he's not coming that's not what it means delay does not mean denial it's just a divine setup for the Lord to get all the glory because if he does it on my time scale, I might can rationalize it out. Well, the doctor said, the lawyer said, well, maybe it was just a fluke. Maybe I really wasn't that sick. Maybe I just, my, my body just kind of reacted and did this. See, there are sometimes God has to delay it a little bit so that we have exhausted all options. Remember the woman with the issue of blood? Miss Carol, if you'll make your way. The woman with the issue of blood, she had paid all the doctors. She had paid all the nurses. She had paid all the specialists. She had went to the hematologist. She had went to the doctor. She had went to all the specialists. All She was broke. She was flat broke. She said, but what do I got to lose? This is my last chance. I ain't got no money. But I heard this man called Jesus says, anybody whosoever will let him come, he said, said that he was free he didn't charge see let me just go ahead and tell you right now anybody that says that you can only be healed is if you give them 1995 on a prayer cloth for them to anoint it you got the wrong God that I serve because Jesus didn't charge anybody for a miracle Jesus never charged anybody for a breakthrough and never once in his capital campaign did I ever see Jesus say now that's going to be 1995 for that prayer I just offered for you she said I got no money to give him anyway but if I can just cut a piece of lint at the bottom of his garment when you look out when you study that word out the hem of his garment it is known as the talit it was the edge of the road it's where they would have the, the high priest would have it to, to help them remind them of what the orchestrations of God had listed in, in Leviticus and, and, and in the, the Exodus period. She said, if I can just get to the fringe of his presence, if I can just get to the edge, I don't even have to be in, in the middle of his presence. I just got to get on the outside of his presence, just close enough that I can grab a piece of lint. And the Bible said when she grabbed a piece of that hymn, that immediately her virtuous blood, I mean her flood of flow, virtuous dried up and he said who touched me Peter said God there's a lot of people who touched you he said you don't understand I felt power I felt power I felt power leave me see I'm telling you Jesus can touch you Jesus can grab you by the hand and you can be in the grip of his grace but I'm telling you there's something besides him touching you and there's something besides the grip of his grace it's something to be said when he can be in the middle of a room and say but I felt power I felt power something powerful came out of me can I tell you some of us have been touched by God 
Some of us have been in the grip of God's grace, but I'm telling you, God still wants to dispense power from on high that the Holy Ghost will come upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. There's still a hand coming out of the clouds of glory that wants to give power for this season that we're living in today. Let me quickly finish today. Ezekiel chapter 37. We find this story. The Spirit of the Lord led a man, same Ezekiel that just wrote Ezekiel 43. In this particular passage, he is led out into a wasteland. He is standing before skeletal remains, a graveyard. I'm giving you all the spoiler alerts before Easter. You probably ain't going to come back now. But if I should live long enough to... I'm going to tell you the title of the sermon. I already know where I'm going. Sunday morning of Easter, you're going to hear this sermon. There's something going on in the graveyard. That's the sermon. And I'm going to talk to you about different times. Jesus showed up in the graveyard, but every time he went in there, the people that were in there came out with him. He went in alone, but when he came out, somebody else came with him. He went into the graveyard with Lazarus alone. Lazarus came out with him. Jesus got laid in the Garden of Gethsemane alone, but he came out and revealed himself to a lot of people. He goes into the graveyard, but he don't come out the same way he came in. He comes out with more stuff than what he went in with. And the Bible said he sends Ezekiel to a graveyard. Dead people everywhere. God says to Ezekiel, can they live again? Ezekiel said, Lord, you know they can live again, but only you can do it. He said, speak to the wind. Tell it to come. The Bible said there became a, a sound of a rushing wind. Now, I don't have time to correlate that to Acts chapter 2, but the Bible says that on the day of Pentecost, there came the sound of a rushing wind. And when the wind started blowing, bones started rattling. And limb by limb, piece by piece, shoulder by shoulder, come together. And eventually, the Bible says they were stood up there as an exceedingly great army, but still had no life. He said, speak to the wind again and cause the breath, the ruah, breath of God to enter. And he did, and life happened. Can I tell you, God still speaks life to dead things. Here's what I want you to know. Whatever you're going through today, He's able, He's all-powerful to change the situation you're in by just speaking life into that moment. The spoiler alert is this today. You may not see His hand, but you can trust that it's there and it's moving. With your head bowed and your eyes closed and everyone standing all over this house, if you'll stand this morning, I'm going to ask you to let me Pray this prayer of faith of you today. For time's sake, we're going to slip straight on into the benediction. I'm going to pray a prayer of faith over you. Then I'm going to let Brother Randy pray the benedictory prayer really quickly. 
we say the Lord bless you and keep you in his face shine upon you be gracious to you and we talk about the words of our mouth the meditation of our hearts but I want you to pray this today before I give it to brother Randy as he gets ready to pray for us I want you to speak that thing that you need out to the Lord and let him speak it into you will you do that at this moment while we're segueing into that I'm going to have brother Randy to pray for us I'm going to ask him to actually come today and lead you in prayer I'm going to have him pray for you and I want you to pray and when he's concluded we are dismissed but I want you to just for a moment you and God to talk together will you pray together today